Hello and welcome to the BizPod. My name is Preston Quillen, CEO of Bigby Coffee. Shout out to my peeps down in Jackson, Alabama. Uh, also shout out to Fiverr who did the voiceover for the intro. They do amazing work. Uh, go check them out if you need any type of commercial or voiceover, graphic design, anything like that. Uh, they do an amazing job and it's cheap, fairly priced. I'm excited about today's episode. Uh, longtime friend, I say long time, more like three years, a friend that I met down in Haiti and doing amazing work. We talk about social justice. We talk about human trafficking. We talk about education um, and empowering people around the world. So sit back, relax, um, and enjoy this episode of the BizPod. Uh, I got Brendan Anthony here from Harvest Craft, CEO, and also a professor at Biola University, right? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Me and Brendan have known each other for, I don't know, three years. Uh, we met in Haiti while he was doing some work over there with Harvest Craft. And uh, Brendan, I never told you this, but I came home from that trip um, and I saw a young dude, you and Craig, two dudes really, who were making a, a difference in the world. And I thought, man, I could do this somehow, you know? And so uh, from that time, you know, I started a coffee business and we source coffee from all over the world and we try to do uh, some good things, help people out as much as we can. And I just want to say that uh, you kind of started that dream in me. So thank you very much. I know that you didn't know that, yeah, but that. yeah, absolutely. So tell me a, a little bit about this Harvest Craft, who you are, uh, what you guys do and why you do it. Yeah, so, yeah, first of all, I just appreciate you saying that. It's uh, obviously really encouraging. Happy to hear things are rippling out. You never know, you know what I mean? So that's cool cool to hear, and I know you'll be doing the same for a lot of other people as well. But, yeah, as far as Harvestcraft goes, you know, so it's something that we started about five years ago. It really came at the intersection of wanting to help people and help the planet simultaneously. And what we started to realize is that once you start to help people on the social justice side – there are implications then for how they treat the environment and vice versa. So if you, again, take care of the environment, then you can then take care of people. And so out of this desire of both myself and Craig, the other co-founder, to want to you know, take care of the land through sustainable agriculture and also wanting to take care of people through missions and development, they just kind of saw we just saw this great synergy where we could connect that. So what Harvest Craft has become is a sustainable agricultural development organization where we seek to equip, educate, and empower people around the globe through these sustainable ag production systems. Awesome. Awesome. What, what do you mean when you say social justice? You just mean the environment or people or a little bit of both? Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, the social justice issues being things like homelessness, uh, poverty, malnourishment. So just these these topics that you know we can address and, and help people. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so take me back to when you were a child. I mean, did you always? Uh, did your parents have a garden? Did they farm goats and, and uh, animals, or is this just something that you kind of, you know, as you grew older, you hey, I, I kind of like this stuff. Yeah, you know, my dad was always a master landscaper, you know, we always had a beautiful, you know, garden and stuff. But, you know, in terms of agriculture and production, I mean, I grew up in the heart of Southern California and here in Orange County. And so, yeah, agriculture was, you know, the furthest thing, you know, my, my parents are both in academia or ministry. And so it definitely wasn't something that I was brought up in. I 
felt like I stumbled upon it, um, mainly in high school when I started learning more about the ocean and took a couple of marine biology courses and started realizing, wow, like the ocean needs our help and there's a lot of problems there and started kind of tracing backwards. Okay, well, the way we produce our food is having ramifications on the ocean and not only the ocean, but other things as well. And so through my love of the ocean and obviously, you know, had proximity to that in California, I started to kind of trace the problems back to how we were growing food. And that's kind of how I got interested in agriculture. But yeah, definitely living here in Orange County, there wasn't a whole lot of agriculture uh, around to kind of get into or be exposed to. Yeah. And so like, what did you go to college for? Was that's what you ended up in, right? Is environmental science or what? Yeah, environmental science was the degree I ended up with. I started more again on the marine biology route. Uh, it, it wasn't until about my junior year of college that I started kind of connecting the dots for agriculture. I went to a, uh, an environmental studies, you know, I, I say study abroad, but people always make fun of me because it was just in the state of Washington. Uh, but <laughs> we went there and, and I took an agriculture class there. And that's where everything kind of connected for me. And then I switched to environmental science and, and did that at school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward to 1920. Did you know that you were going to do a business or did you just uh, things started falling in place when you met Craig or what happened? Yeah, you know, so, you know, when I came back from that study abroad, quote unquote, program, um, you know, I started getting into a thing called aquaponics. Mm-hmm. And this was an urban agricultural system. And, you know, it's this hybrid of using fish and plants and generating food. And and a lot of people who kind of heard me doing that here on campus at Biola, they're like, oh, yeah, there's this other guy. His name's Craig, lives in Haiti, and he likes doing aquaponics, too. And so if you two weird guys like playing with, you know, fish feces to grow plants, like, you guys better be friends. And so we kind of got set up on, like, this blind date um, where they all were friends, like, oh, you guys are going to love each other. And we, and we did. We just kind of hit it off. And, you know, we started talking a lot of, and just dreaming a lot about what it would look like to use, you know, these passions that we have for ag and for people and, and do something truly you know influential and obviously he was living in haiti and seeing you know short-term missions trips come in and out and his desire to want to see long-term development happen uh, kind of stemmed from that and so we just started dreaming and we're like what if we like actually did something about this and i was 19 at the time he's probably 21 22 and so we just started kind of down that road i never would have thought we would <clears throat> be here Five years later, um, you never mm. thought I would have been a, a business owner or running a nonprofit, but it just kind of fell in our lap, and uh, we're excited about it. It's been a it's been a fun ride. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, at 19, were you scared of this? Were you scared of the thought of, hey, we're fixing to do a global business nonprofit? For sure. You know, at 19, I barely knew how to like balance my own finances, let alone like run a business. You know. Yeah. I, certainly was a, a big learning curve but you know we had tremendous help you know from just our parents and other just great mentors and professors and uh, just help every step of the way but yeah it was definitely scary you know um, but but I think what's cool about just this generation is this this passion that I think just motivates action and that was just something that we were just like you know let's just go for it and if we fail we fail and that's okay but at least we tried and we went for something that I think is worth it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's very awesome. So why did Harvest Craft choose a, a nonprofit over over a profitable business? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think for us, we just felt like the type of work we were doing, uh, you know, as just like a, a service volunteer program just kind of made sense for us to do a nonprofit. Um, and that also meant that we could then raise funds and 
and you know go after grants or talk to churches or whatever it might be to get money not have to worry so much about selling a product because at the end of the day what we're what we're kind of contributing is education and and service and so there's not really a product that we could be selling on the on the profitable side yeah i gotcha well, I know for me, I really struggled. I mean, I was 27 when I started thinking about a business. And uh, if it wasn't for my dad, I probably wouldn't have a business. He was in business his whole life, knew everything about the paperwork and, and leading up to that. So you're 20, and I read on, on Harvest Craft that you were the one who decided to uh, take on the paperwork for this nonprofit, right? Yeah. <clears throat> for sure. I had the the great task of being able to do that craig was doing the legwork kind of in country and so that kind of defaulted me to do all the administrative stuff which for me man i was i'm such a type two person i'm like so disorganized but this has definitely uh helped with that and certainly grad school did too but yeah you know like you man i had, I had such a a blessing of a father who had served on you know dozens of other nonprofit boards and you know has run nonprofits himself so you know he he really helped with that every step of the way definitely harvest scrap would not be what it is without my father. Awesome. Great story, man. It's cool how family intertwines with business, you know, and it just helps us. I mean, they don't have to do it, but they do it. So uh, how did you guys dream up, not so much paying for Harvest Craft, but, but backing Harvest Craft long term? Was it Kickstarter? Was it social media marketing, emails, word of mouth, et cetera? Was it a mixture of all, all those? Yeah, it's kind of a, a whole mixture. You know, when we first started off, we were kind of looking more towards like this niche market of coming alongside churches and other organizations who had, you know, orphanages or, or project sites. And we were like, well, what if we just kind of strapped on a sustainability piece? And that was kind of how we started off. And that's actually, you know, how we met. We were, you know, building the, the farm there for the orphanage in Haiti. And so, you know, we kind of just went that route and were like soliciting our services uh, to these churches to kind of fund us on a more project based model. Uh, but what we started realizing is that, you know, we need funding not just for the projects, but, you know, to run the day to day. And so then that's when we started kind of branching out, looking to grants, doing more of the social media marketing. And we did a couple, uh, you know, crowd rise and Kickstarters and those kinds of things too. We actually did a, a Venmo campaign where we just started asking people for money on Venmo, you know, whatever we can to, to get money with these fundraisers. So it's kind of a little bit of everything, you know, whatever, whatever gets the money in. And it's different audiences too, right? So, mm. you know, social media and the Venmo, it's definitely for a younger generation. And then we do like the nice wine and dine fancy dinners and events for, you know, the, the older, more sophisticated uh, crowd. Yeah, for sure. We've noticed that too, even in the coffee business, uh, you know, with the new squares, with the new clovers and Apple Pay and all that. It's like, man, there's so many options yeah. uh, to where you can market to people and, and to where they could help you, you know? So, for sure. For sure. Um, you got to and all those, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to limit that, that pool, right? So you got to kind of adapt to everybody. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about business nonprofits too, is, you know, in this world that we live in, everything's uh, changing everything, you know, back 20 years ago, they couldn't do that. They would have to give you cash hand to hand. And now they can do it from Washington to, to California or uh, Alabama to, you know, Oregon, whatever. So it's cool. It it's is create. Cool. It's creating this, this business that, you know, people are not accustomed to. For sure. You know, and what's cool about it is like it's not even just all about money too, but now you're able to spread your mission, you know, and the things that you're all about uh, and the things that you want to kind of help. You know, because for us, you know, it's about awareness and education. You know, if you don't give us money, that's totally fine. 
But if you start to think about the welfare of people in other countries or even in your, you know, your backyard, I mean, that for us is is a success. And we always talk about going into fundraisers like if we don't make any money, but we spread the word and and, spread education, then it's a success for us. And that's what's cool, you know, about, again, this kind of globalized, connected world is that, you know, you can, you know, get payments from everywhere, but you can also make friends and, and help spread spread a cool mission. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing I love about Harvestcraft is you guys don't just go into places, set it up for them and then fend them, you know, left for themselves. You know what I mean? You go in, you educate them um, so that it's sustainable for a lifetime. I mean, that's going to be passed down through generations. So that's very cool. That's definitely the goal for sure. You know, it's it's one thing to go in and give someone something, but again, and that's just kind of like a handout. And so we we just feel like education is such a big piece to kind of bridge that gap between a handout and true empowerment. And so yeah, and, and, you know, and that's the most beautiful part about it, right? Is that you get to develop these relationships with all these people. And you know, we've always said, you know, we we feel like we're doing our job right if we're working ourselves out of a job. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'd love to just get to a point where we can visit a community and we don't have to worry about teaching them anything or showing them anything. We're just there because we have this beautiful relationship and everything's taken care of and running smoothly. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about innovation in uh, the business world, but also in just health in general in America right now. I work in healthcare. I'm a cardiac sonographer. So I would like your opinion on this because you're a professor. You know the ins and outs of fruits and vegetables and, and, and uh, America, you know, the fast food, yeah. et cetera. So what's your opinion on health in America right now? Ooh, okay. So, you know, it's, it's a complex problem. So I, I don't want to come across as, you know, an expert in all regards, but you know, <laughs> I do have some opinions, right. Um, you know, this whole documentary that came out, you know, what the health, right. And that, that was a big thing, you know, really, you know, slammed down on me. And, you know, I think there's a lot of good in that documentary and a lot of good, you know, again, in kind of reducing meat consumption, not only for our bodies, but for the environment as well. Um, you know, again, you know, I was just reading a book, um, by Michael Pollan over the summer uh, called in defense of food. And it's this idea of defending real food, not this processed, high fructose corn syrup, fake Mm -hmm. food-like substances, he said, but real food, whole foods. And I think we've we've really gone so far astray from eating these healthy, balanced, creative diets uh, because it's it's easy, it's simple to, you know, do the fast food or do the processed foods. And I think that's had tremendous impacts, you know, on on our health. And when you look at the rise of industrial agriculture and this rise of, you know, growing all this corn and soy to be processed into a million different things, you really then start to see a rise of diabetes and cardiac, you know, issues. And it's all connected. You know, you hear the old adage, uh, you are what you eat, but it's true. You know what I mean? And we're, we're probably mostly corn if that's really, you know, all that we truly eating. And so, yeah, you know, I think health is a, is a big issue. And again, there's that connection between the social side, right, health care, and then the environmental and how we're growing our food. And I think, yeah, you know, we've, we've really come really far away from this idea of just kind of eating off the land and eating a simple diet and eating whole foods. And it's very much so a very westernized diet, a lot of meat, a lot of processed food, and you're seeing a lot of the negative health impacts of that for sure. Yeah. So do you think a model like Harvest Craft would work in America. I mean, you go in, you educate people. Uh, it's it's 
healthy food, um, fruits and veggies, fish. So do you think that is needed in America? Do you think a model like that would work in America? Yeah, you know, there's definitely models like us here. Uh, we've just chosen to kind of do our work in Haiti because that's where Craig's, Craig lives and that's where, you know, we've just been stuck so fond of. But yeah, certainly, you know, places in like inner city, like in LA or Detroit or Baltimore, there are these, you know, urban agricultural facilities. You know, even I was part of one uh, with an organization called Renewable Farms where, you know, the city of Anaheim gave the organization a bunch of land to develop a large-scale aquaponic farm and and again students are coming in to do their community service but they're also you know eating kale and tomatoes right off the vine for the first time and their you know minds are exploding because they never thought a tomato could taste so good and so you know there, there's certainly beautiful organizations and models you know like us that can thrive here in, in the states and i think are needed uh, and i think you're starting to see a shift of some of that coming back you know reclaiming some of these Lots. You see, uh, you know, like the gorilla gardener here in L.A., you know, taking little slots by the sidewalk and planting vegetables and, and people that live in these, you know, quote unquote, food deserts can come by and get food. And, and again, that's that's what it's all about. Again, helping people, helping the planet and, and promoting a healthy lifestyle. <clears throat> yeah, I think you see a lot more of that out in, uh, you know, West California, not so much here in Alabama, Mississippi. I mean, we're still very lacking in uh healthy foods and and such uh another thing you didn't know is once i got back from haiti i actually took aquaponics class i went yeah yeah i got really big into it and uh, um first i wanted to start an aquaponics business and uh that just didn't work out the i mean if i was going to do it it was going to be profitable and I don't know, just the numbers didn't work out, uh, especially here in lower Alabama. So, you know, if I was out in California or somewhere, I'd probably be in aquaponics right now. But uh, coffee, I mean, you know, you, you ship it from all over the world and uh, you get to make, like you say, relationships and meet people and uh, help people. So, yeah, coffee is where I ended up. But I did take an aquaponics class for three days and uh, had a little aquaponics thing set up in my house. Uh, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. I love that. You know, I think more people need need that, need to do things like that. You know, it's not that complex, not that hard, not that expensive. And I think, you know, Wendell Berry is a really famous uh, author. He's like, you know, one of the most radical things you can do is plant a garden. And mm. it's true, you know, and you just learn so much and, and it's so rewarding. And so I love that. That's, that's super fun. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. <clears throat> Very crazy. People are like, you're using fish to do what now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I feel like, you know, you, you when you're around something for so long, it becomes just kind of common knowledge and kind of just easy for you to understand. But yeah, you start talking about mixing fish waste and doing this and that. People think you're crazy for sure. So but that's what's fun about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so say I wanted to start a global organization like like Harvestcraft. What advice would you give to me uh, as far as how to make connections with people outside the U.S.? I mean, you kind of met Craig and, you know, people pointed you to Craig. But uh, say if you wouldn't have met Craig, how would you have uh, expanded the horizon outside of the U.S. and said, hey, I want to do this? Totally. You know, and again, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, we, we just live in such a connected world now where, you know, it's something like as easy as Instagram right? You can connect with people all around the world, you know, and, and find, you know, businesses or organizations that, you know, are doing similar 
what you want to do and you can connect with them and pick their brain and, and start up these relationships. You know, I'm always telling my students about the power of LinkedIn and, and using that. I mean, that's also a great tool. And, you know, I, I think we just have such a great social network all around the globe that that's such an easy way, I think, to really just get kickstarted and developing relationships. And the other thing I would say is just go, you know, find find someone that's doing something similar and, and go. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, love traveling, love to see and experience new things. And, and that's going to be the best way to really decide if that's kind of the route you want to go down with or, or if that's the country you want to work in right you've got to see the culture and develop the relationships and see if that's really going to be something that's going to be pragmatic for you so i'd say either connect on social media or just go absolutely good advice good advice uh so what all countries are you guys in now i know haiti colombia no uh cambodia Cam- cambodia yeah yeah okay. Yeah, those are kind of the two main projects right now. You know, we've, we've kind of consulted on various places kind of all around the world. Uh, we started in Mexico and we've done some kind of one-off projects in other countries, but really our flagship and where we develop and, you know, allocate the most, um, the majority of our resources is now in Haiti. Uh, we've developed now recently a research and education center just in the south of Haiti. Um, and it's called the Haiti Center for Agroecology. We're going to be running classes there from universities, uh, not only from Haiti, but also from the states, doing uh, farmer co-op training meetings and, and getting, you know, knowledge and research, you know, developed from that center to kind of hand out to the community there in, in south of Haiti. So, yeah, that's the majority of kind of where we're honing in on. I think one of the things we realized early on is that you can have a very broad range but the impact that you're going to be able to have is going to be somewhat shallow Mm. unless you have a lot of resources and a lot of people but for us we're quite lean and so we just felt like let's double down and let's truly invest in one location and not divide our attention not divide our resources and let's just try to have the most deep impact that we can in one area and that's where we kind of settled in um, you know the south of Haiti and and we've been doing that yeah Awesome. What about the Cambodia project? Where are you guys on it? Yeah, so Cambodia's been, you know, a really fun journey. So we are in Kampong Cham there, which is about, you know, an hour or two away from Phnom Penh, which is where most people kind of fly into. And, you know, what that project kind of materialized as was this kind of consortium of different nonprofits for a rehab facility for human trafficked victims and so one organization you know kind of developed the property developed the grounds there's a school and kind of dorms there for the girls and they conduct the therapy Uh, one organization goes out and actually rescues the girls from you know the sex industry and brings them there to the location and then while they're there undergoing kind of the psychotherapy we wanted to try and develop what are some sort of sustainability projects we can do that can, you know, beautify the campus, allow them to engage in, you know, garden therapy, but also education and vocational training as well. Because of the reality is, is that a lot of the girls, you know, that were taken away into the trade were at very, happened at a very young age, right? And so they didn't really have any other schooling or any other job training. So what ends up happening is that once they leave these kind of rehab centers, they relapse and go back into the trade. And so for us, we want to kind of intervene and allow an opportunity for the girls to gain exposure to whether that's growing food or cooking food or selling food. So have some sort of job skill to lean on and go into kind of this new redeemed future uh, with. And so that's kind of been the project. We started back in 2016. So it's been a couple of years now. We have 
you know, hundreds of fruit trees and vegetables. We have over 2,000 frogs. <laughs> that was a, a new thing for us. Oh, uh, wow. Talking about aquaculture and doing tilapia, but they were saying, you know, according to their cultural context, catfish would be better, but also frogs. And, you know, we knew nothing about raising frogs or frog farms. So we uh, met with some university, you know, professors who did and, and toured some farms that, you know, were very successful in the region. And so now there's 2,000 frogs, 6,000 catfish, uh, about a couple hundred chickens laying eggs. So it's this very integrated agro ecosystem where, you know, you can take the fruit from the trees and feed it to the chickens and then take the waste from the chickens and put it back onto the trees. So everything's kind of connected. Uh, the fish tanks are, you know, hooked up to irrigate the trees as well. And so, you know, nothing is wasted and every output mm -hmm. is on input into the system. And so it's this really beautiful area. And yeah, the girls and then other students that come, uh, there's like a community school on the property well can kind of not only eat the food, but then also kind of partake in other educational and job training aspects. Man, that is unreal. That is unreal. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Totally new culture, new language, new currency. So it's like, it's it's been wild. But it's a beautiful country. And, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of actual uh, agricultural development happen there and just development in general there. So it's kind of a, a really beautiful story about what's happening over in Cambodia. So it's always really encouraging to go out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're at about 25 minutes. I don't want to hold you up any longer than I have to, man. I appreciate this time. It's been awesome. Um, I have two last questions for you. Number one, what do you contribute uh, your organization's success to? And then number two, what about your personal life? You're a professor, uh, you're a CEO of a business. What do you contribute uh, that success to? Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Um, you know, for me, I think in both aspects, whether it's professional or personal, it's been people. It's been a community. It's been, you know, mentors, people like my father, people that are on, you know, the board, uh, other professors that have kind of gone the road before me. It's been them. It's been the people, you know, on the team. You know, I can't ask for a better, you know, group of individuals on the Harvest Craft team. And, you know, they dedicate and allocate so much of their time and their resources and their talents to, you know, making this happen. So, you know, none, none of this in my personal life or in the organizational's kind of life would be possible without, you know, their help and their contribution. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful and I'm just so blessed that I get to work with a bunch of my best friends and travel the world and, and try to help people. So it's been a huge blessing. I love them all for it. Very cool, man. Very cool. All right. I was on the, uh, Harvest Craft website and noticed some, uh, questions. Let's see. Let me pull them up. It says favorite vegetable. And I noticed that you and Craig did not answer <laughs> the question. So bonus question, what is your favorite uh what vegetable or fruit? Oh man, that's a good one. You know, I was laughing because you know, we actually have talked about this before and one of the directors favorite vegetable is a pumpkin because without it you can have pumpkin spice lattes. And I thought that was really funny. That was a good answer by her. But yeah, for me, man, I'll just go by, you know, what I really enjoy growing. And that's probably a tomato, a tomato plant. They're really fun. <laughs> Tomatoes are delicious. Again, I grew up hating tomatoes. I thought they were so gross. And even yeah. now, it's hard for me to go to a grocery store or a restaurant and eat tomatoes because I just they're just different. There's something different about growing one and eating one, like right yeah. off the and, and now they're just so delicious, and I eat them like candy. I used to think like the idea of biting into a tomato like an apple was like repulsive, but now I'm out there in the garden all the time, <laughs> giving to my students, and they think I'm crazy. But yeah, I'd say tomatoes for sure. That's hilarious. What about apples, man? I saw you doing some apple yeah. work, right? <laughs> 
Come on, man. For sure. You know, so I, I did my graduate work on apples, but you know, and everyone always thinks that and actually my students give me like apple stuffed animals and real apples all the time. And we actually just went apple picking together last weekend and you know, it's fun. I love it. But for me, it's like, I had, and I ate like thousands of them through my program. So now I'm like, I'm good on apples. I, I have, <laughs> I'll take a little break for a while. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> well, that's good. Thank you so much. I'm honored to have you on. This is really the first uh episode the the original episode was just kind of a trial and error thing that we did and so this is the first one and uh, i couldn't have started it off any better than with you somebody that i look up to and kind of got me started dreaming about this so i hope that this conversation does the same for others and that you know that they'll want to have the social justice uh impact as well just because of this conversation so thank you so much Yeah, thank you. It's been super encouraging and I'm super grateful to be part of it. So thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.